morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Turn Left. I am your host, Indiana's own Dana Black, coming to you live. Yes, all the way live from Black Pearl Studios, where we talk about Indiana politics from the left side of things. Man, oh man, if y'all are like me, y'all are sitting in front of your computers every day watching the council, or I'm sorry, not council, watching the state house, it's already getting heated up. They, the committee meetings, first of all, House Ways and Means, <clears throat> Whew, I know I'm supposed to want to listen, but that is really some boring conversations. The only thing that was kind of good today was listening to the education part, but the House Ways and Means are always on, so I know I can always listen to something. <sighs> I know that's the money. I know that's how we spend our budget, but I've never been a finance girl, and so thus... House Ways and Means is boring. But I did get to listen in on some great Senate committee meetings and some fantastic House committee meetings. If you guys get a chance, if you are in a position on your job or you're sitting around during the day and you're not doing a whole lot of stuff and, and you just want some background noise, go to iga.in.gov and tune in to the General Assembly because that's how you found out, find out what's going on. Today, they even had some interesting discussions, and I want to talk about one of those bills. You guys need to be keeping your eye out on these things, right? WBOI.org reports, School choice in Indiana could be remade if proposed legislation gains traction. Senate Bill 305 would provide more funding with less eligibility restrictions than allowed under the popular private school voucher program. It's unclear the total cost of the program or potentially how many families would consider it. Republicans who control the state house continue to support expansion of the state's multiple school choice options. The bill would expand Indiana's new education scholarship account program or ESA to any student, as opposed to the program's original requirements that the only participating participating children are those with disabilities and meet some income restrictions. The program launched last year and kept at $10 million provides eligible students with 90% of the regular funding their district would have received. Last year, the average basic grant to traditional public schools was $6,300. There are just 143 students enrolled in the program. Y'all, the proposed expansion would allow any K-12 student to receive 100% of the basic grant support when leaving public schools and enrolling in qualified private schools eligible to receive the funds. Students can also use the funds for other approved educational services, including therapy, laptops, and other special education services. This one got kind of heated because I want y'all to understand that if a parent is homeschooling their kids they can get the money and never actually put their kid in any type of education because there's no regulation on how they're spending this money. Now, listen, every, you know, Fatty Kedora really went, Senator Fatty went in on him. He said, you know, I am all for kids, you know, parents having school choice. They can send their kid wherever they want, but should they be allowed to use public funds without accountability? I mean, literally, he gave the scenario of a parent could go out and buy an Xbox with this money. And I'm sorry, we know about the opioid crisis in Indiana. Somebody might just be getting high. 
We don't know. And I'm I'm not saying all parents are like that, but we already know there are some parents in the world that really shouldn't have never been parents. But the killer part is they don't know how much it's going to cost because they don't know how many students will want to do it. Literally, one question was, well, who's eligible? Everybody. How much money? We don't know. Well, what are the requirements? We don't know yet. Well, how many people are going to do it? We don't know. They are literally just throwing money away. Literally. I mean, do y'all remember what happened with the fiasco and the online school that robbed Indiana of millions of dollars that we really didn't get to collect? We collect a, a portion of it. If you're not sure what is happening at the statehouse, the, in, the, in to, the to, total goal of all of this is to privatize education. And if you cannot afford to send your kid to a school, then your kid will not get anything of value. Now, I trust no one believe, I believe in public schools. I believe in public school teachers. We already know they're underfunded, underpaid, and overworked, right? But now we're saying, we're literally marching down the road to privatizing public education. My public dollars will be going to people purchasing Xboxes. Remember when they were having food stamp issues and they were talking about poor people and they wanted to make sure poor people weren't using their poor people money on frivolous things like steaks and lobster? Where is their concern now? They, they don't care about those things. It was never about those things. It's about control. But now they want to take your tax dollars because what is the one thing that, that will always be in abundance of humans? Because people ain't going to stop having sex. They're going to keep having sex. They're going to be keep, keep making babies. And there's always a revenue stream for kids. So I, you guys, you need to be on this. If you are a public, you, if you care about public school, public school teachers and the education that we are giving to the masses, then you guys need to be calling your people, your senators about SB 305. It is another way to siphon more money out of public schools. And I want to ask you places like Indianapolis, where there are a plethora of schools to choose from. You can have private school, uh, you know, parochial schools, public schools, township schools. There's schools everywhere. But if you live in a rural part of Indiana, what choice do you have? How many choices do you have? I just need y'all to, I need y'all to get with me on this. It's not, you know, the whole goal is to privatize and segregate these schools again. I mean, you already got, you know, Governor DeSantis saying that African-American studies, it's not worth it. That I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if you could say anything more blatantly racist in the world. Yeah, it's not, it, African-American studies at an AP college, it's just, there's no value. He said there's no educational value. But there's educational value in learning about Greek mythology. Learning about real people, there's no value. But Greek mythology, we good. All right. The next thing I want to talk about, the Supreme Court today listened to the abortion ban and the Indianapolis Star reports attorneys warned the state Supreme Court justices Thursday about the life or death stakes surrounding our court, our, a court order preventing the state from enforcing its near total abortion ban. 
On one hand, Solicitor General Thomas Fisher with the Indiana Attorney General's office told the judges that if left to stand, the injunction will lead to the deaths of so many unborn fetuses. On the other hand, Ken Falk with the ACLU of Indiana, Hoosier women and girls will suffer if the law goes into effect. Some will die. I need y'all to understand, some will die. Unfortunately, we have pervs out here that don't mind raping 10-year-old little girls. I'm not making the story up. You already know about it. And a 10-year-old girl's little girl's body is not developed enough to give a birth to a baby. I know men folk don't always understand this. They think they know women's bodies better than we do. But 10-year-old little girls should not be having babies. Not to mention the psychological impact that it was going to ha have on the individual. She's already been traumatized. But now we're going to make her give birth to a baby. In making his argument, Fisher said Planned Parenthood and other plaintiffs in the, in the original law lawsuit who argue the near total abortion ban violates Hoosier rights are essentially inviting the courts to give the state's constitution a rewrite. The original lawsuit was filed by Planned Parenthood, three other abortion providers and a pregnancy support organization with legal help from the ACLU. Guys, this is so incredibly important and scary all at the same time. Right. It is so scary to think that eventually that somebody wants to regulate our bodies. But what I found most interesting, the injunction or the reason why the abortion ban was put on hold <laughs> was because of RIFRA. <laughs> Religious freedom. Remember that? Remember that bill they shoved down our throat? The, the RIFRA, the Religious Freedom Act. I should be able to practice my religion however I want. Blah, blah, blah. The scoop, the scoop, the whoop. Well, thanks to our Jewish brothers and sisters, they said, you know what? A body ain't a body until it come out another body. Otherwise, it's just a fetus. And our religion tells us that if the woman's life is in jeopardy, hey, all bets are off. It's our religion. And the judge said, well, your new bill violates your old bill. Mind you, that was a bigoted anti-LGBTQ plus bill. I love it when... Bigotry comes back to bite your behind. That's what y'all get. That's what y'all get. You pass a bill to say it's okay to treat LGBTQ plus folks bad. And that bill comes back to bite you when you want to ban women from, from the ability to do what they need to do with their bodies and make their family planning choices. Listen, you know, it's getting bad out here. You got people in Missouri trying to dictate what women can wear. Mm-hmm. You, you got in West Virginia, they passed a law that said it was okay to uh, open carry on campuses. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, my goodness. I mean, you got guns everywhere. You got people getting deciding on what everybody else is, is doing. This is why it is so important that we elect thinking humans to the legislature to write policies that are positively impacting lives. Not going to cost lives, not dictate how people live their lives, but just, hey, let's protect the environment. Let's protect and build up on the infrastructure. But these clowns keep passing legislation that always ends up in court. We spend more money. The ACLU is probably funded. <laughs> Wholly or partially by all the bad legislation that comes out of our state house. I'm not playing. Y'all, that's my rant for today. I tell you what, there's a lot going on. Be sure to pay attention to everything that's going on in your communities so that you can stay abreast of everything. Hey, who's your Democrats? 
Are you looking for a content creator for your campaign that won't break your budget? Then look no further than Black Pearl Studios. Whether you want to live stream your event or create a, camp, a campaign video, we have all the tools you need to help you share your message. Scan the QR code and visit the website www.blackpearl-its.com and go to the form, fill it out. And Indiana's own and Black Pearl Studios, we have you covered with all of your communication needs. Be sure to reach out to me. It's campaign season. It's underway. I know some of you folks ain't raising $100,000. I seen you act blue. <laughs> but if you're raising somebody and you want to get your message out, I'm here for you. Let me help you do what you need to do. Let me help you with your event. Let me help you with whatever you need. I got the tools. I got the tools to help you out. All right. Now, let's get to our guests. Yes. Indiana's own Dana Black turn left. I'm so excited to have returning, a returning guest up there in Elkhart, Indiana, holding it down. Well, I, I'm going to tell y'all something. If you're not following him on Twitter, you're missing it. You need to follow him on Twitter. He will keep you go, uh, abreast of what the heck's going on in Northwest Indiana. He got the hookup. Y'all give it up for City County Councilman in Elkhart, a city, Aaron Mishler. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's great to be back. I love having you back. And I love, listen, I follow you, dude. I, I be reading all your stuff. How you think I be knowing what's going on up there? Hey, and just trying to fight the good fight up here. Keep doing it because you be giving them hell, my man. You be you don't you don't take no mess. You don't take no mess from nobody. And I love it. And I'm gonna tell y'all something. In Southern Indiana, we got a rising star. He takes on all the business. He ain't never scared. He's got heart. He's got energy. But more importantly, he is willing to learn. He is always asks questions, and he reaches out to us old heads to get the information that he needs so that he can be successful. I'm really, really excited about this guy. Like y'all, I have a few fellas around the state, few young people that I just enjoy being around and watching them shine. And this is one of them. Y'all say hello and get to know Dylan Little, who is running for the Lawrenceburg City Council. Lord, Dylan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dana. It's always a pleasure to see you and talk to you. I love being in your presence. You're just so full of energy. Honey, listen, I've been exercising too. So whoo, we about to we hey, we about to bring my sexy all the way back. <laughs> Guys, I, I brought up a couple of bills. I don't know if you are familiar with what's going on in the state house, so I don't want to put you on the spot. But if you have any thoughts on those two pieces of, of information, SB 305, which is again taking more money out of public education or the Supreme Court listening to that total abortion ban. Uh, I, I'll let you just go. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely frustrating to see uh, public education, the funds for it continue to be diverted towards unaccountable, you know, education. Uh, charter schools, homeschools, it's, it's hard to hold these folks accountable. All the while, you know, they complain about public, uh, public schools testing scores. And they say they're raising funds and public schools have all this money. Well, yeah, but you're giving all the money to charter schools and our <laughs> teachers are suffering. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, they're again, they're wanting to give funds to charter schools and Indiana's one of what, like seven states that you still have to pay for textbooks. Um, it's funny because the city of Lawrenceburg actually helps our public school so that students don't have to incur um, the textbooks charges for those. 
I, I love that. That's good stuff. All right, Aaron, tell the people who you are and where you come from. Love to. My name is Aaron Mishler. I am a registered nurse uh, in Elkhart, Indiana, and I serve as the first district city councilman in the city of Elkhart. Um, you know, I always say I like to uh, fight the good fight. And, you know, that goes back to serving in the Indiana Army National Guard as a medic. Uh, later on, I got my licensed practical nurse um, from the military. And as soon as I got out of the military, I spent six months in Liberia as an Ebola nurse. And I've done around 10 to 12 disaster responses. Uh, the last one I did was as a flight nurse for the Afghan refugees. And next month, actually, I'm going to uh, Ukraine for uh, three weeks to provide uh, nursing care and free clinics throughout the country over there. That and is so awesome. To... That is so <laughs> awesome. And uh, I try to bring that same uh, empathy and uh, to to government. You know, one complaint I've always heard is, I don't know what's going on. And nobody reads the newspaper really anymore. Nobody really nope. watches broadcast TV. Nope. So I try to share as much as I can on, on social media. Um, you know, facebook.com slash Elkar First District is my council page, but I'm also um, on Nextdoor. I just keep it apolitical on there, council agendas. Here's when the meeting is. Here's what happened. But, uh, you know, recently I got a new webcam and a mic. I'm going to start uh, live streaming uh, twitch.tv slash rebellious platypus. Ooh. And I'm going to do... Uh, go over some of our council agendas, maybe do some gaming at the same time, try to get some more folks involved in the political process, because that's what it's all about. Absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, you know, and I'm glad that we were able to get you in. I know we had talked about um, your trip to, to, um, uh, well, I'm sorry, uh, Ukraine. Okay. Whew. Brain. I, I don't know why I was about to say Afghanistan, probably because they still need help too. <laughs> um, you're on your way to Ukraine. Um, what, okay, that's a, I, I mean, they're going through heck over there. And, you know, um, Putin is just, just being lazy with his military action. He's just carpet bombing. Um, what what gives you the, the, the bravery and the strength uh, to go over there and help folk out uh, knowing that, gosh, I mean, that's pretty scary. I mean, you're, you're literally putting your life on the line. Well, I, I have a daughter and I know I have these skills and, you know, if we were in a similar position as to what Ukraine was, uh, I would want people to, to come over and help us. And knowing that I have, you know, the ability to go help, I wouldn't be able to look at her in the face and, and tell her that I had the opportunity, but decided not to. I love it. I love it. You're, you're an inspiration. I'm inspired, but I ain't going into war zone. I'm a, I'm a punk. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even do all that great in JROTC. So we're going to let that go. Dylan. Tell the people who you are and where you come from. Um, so my name is Dylan Little. I am running for Lawrenceburg City Council District 2. Um, currently, I'm employed as a, a paralegal at Gunshore Attorneys. We do a variety of different areas of law. Um, super excited about that. Um, again, I was raised in my district. Um, I was raised by my grandparents. My parents had some addiction issues. Um, and it, it really opened the door for seeing how I want to guide the community. Um, my grandfather was on city council for many years and he really helped give me a guiding hand for um, seeing what you can do when you're an elected official and how you can really help your community. Um, I purchased my home in Lawrenceburg and in my district in 2020. And me and my fiance, Hannah, are actually raising my two younger brothers. Um, again, the addiction issues with my parents, unfortunately. Um, with that being said, though, we're doing really good. My brothers are great. 
Um, I, they're actually wrestling, they're doing awesome, but there's definitely some things within my community that I want to see changed. Um, I want to work for people and make sure that they know what's going on. I love what Aaron is doing by being more active on social media, um, because that's one of the issues that we have here. I mean, oftentimes people just don't know what's going on. And and that's the point of turn left. I, I, I got to tell you guys, or Dylan, when I was down there for the one of the rallies for the statewide candidates last year, I had a chance to meet your brothers. And can I just say you are raising amazing gentlemen? These guys were helpful. You know, teenagers, they don't really be wanting to do nothing. I mean, come on, y'all know that, right? But these young men, they were very polite, cordial, and just ready to help. So you are a young man who is raising young men. But I have to ask you, and it's, you know, it's, it might be a little difficult. How were you able to deal with and work through the trauma of watching your parents have such health traumas that they were having and, and be strong enough to be a, a, the adult in the room? You know, I'll have to say um, it had a lot to do with my grandparents. I had a great support system from them. Um, they're amazing people. And even if your family is going through addiction issues, um, they're not always bad people. Um, although some people struggle, my father is a great person um, and he's doing really, really, really well now. So, I mean, I was able to kind of go through it. I had really good teachers. That's why public education is important to me. I had teachers that helped me get through some of the hardest times, whether it was leaving school early um, because my mom was arrested and other things. I mean, there's a lot of different things. And I, you know, honestly, I owe it to so many people within our community because they really helped guide me the most. I love it, I love it. Okay, guys, let's talk about some issues. You know, Dylan, you were giving us a, a rundown of some um, some mess that was going on down there in Lawrenceburg. One of the things that are, and I, I, I keep harping on it, Aaron, I know you'll understand this, we're tech people. We understand the importance of technology and we can't do what we need to do without reliable internet. Infrastructure, the infrastructure bill came through, there was money coming in, there was the, the the lieutenant governor said seven years ago she was going to work on getting high speed internet in all of rural Indiana. That has not happened yet. Dylan, talk about the issue that you're having down there with with your internet and and selling off utilities and all that old madness, so that people can understand the importance of 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 having high speed internet, reliable high speed internet, and what's happening down there and why you want to be on council. You're going to get me riled up here. Dana. That's the whole goal, my man. Get you riled up. Um, so what has happened is the city of Lawrenceburg actually back in 2016, um, before the infrastructure bill and everything else, they decided to invest in bringing fiber to the community. Um, it was an investment of probably $10 million, a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Um, and recently they had decided to sell it. You know, when I heard of that, it blew my mind. So me and a couple of people started looking into it. Um, because one, it's a great asset for the city. The city uses it. They have all of their city cams connected to it, all of these different things, because we have cams on all the street corners. Um, it's great for the citizens that live here because there is a, um, low cost option for people where fiber only costs $20 per month, all of these different things. Well, back in December, they made an announcement that they decided to sell it. Um, nobody had heard about it. Nobody knew that they were going to sell it. It was just a random announcement. It was like, oh, hey, guys, we've done this. Um, they had a meeting at 10 a.m. in the morning. 
So I went to the council meeting um, because I'd been in coordination with the mayor and he told me to come to the council meeting to get some to get some answers. So I go to this council meeting and I ask questions during the public uh, public comments portion of the meeting. And uh, my first question was basically under what legal precedent or state statute or federal regulation do you believe that you're operating to sell the fiber appropriately? And they couldn't cite me a statute right there. There was like, there's plenty, there's plenty. Of course not. Blah, blah, blah. We'll get it to you. We'll get it to you. All this. Well, I waited for a little bit, never got it. So then I followed up. I said, hey, I messaged the city attorney. I said, hey, I said, I never received a state statute or anything. I said, are you going to get that to me? Well, he responds, oh, hey, you need to do a public records request. Mm. So I go through For the a statute? You, you, wait, I want to be sure I understand this. You have to have a public records request for a state statute. The next time I get pulled over for a ticket, I'm going to no. do a public records request to get the state statute for me speeding. Well, he wants me to do a public records request for the basically the legal research that he did for selling the fiber. So I did that. But then when I get it, I get this memorandum opinion right here and I go through it, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to read it for the whole audience. But basically what he says is word for word. He doesn't cite a single late statute. He says, it is my legal opinion that the transfer of fiber assets to Ulta Fiber in the manner proposed by the city is proper and follows any and all required statutory procedures. So again, that wasn't what I asked. I wanted the exact statutes or federal regulatory um, statutes that he found. So I did another public records request because I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was like, you know, I was like, maybe he just doesn't understand the question that I'm asking. Maybe. He passed law school, though. <laughs> well, you know, um, so I did another public records request, and here we are. Um, I, I was very detailed. Anyways, my public records request got denied because the language that I used was too vague or overly broad. Right, and right. It, what I said, word for word. Please provide all information pertaining to the thorough analysis the city conducted to determine that the city of Lawrenceburg operating a fiber company is not within its capabilities as stated in the 1-12-2022 legal opinion from city attorney Delmer D. Weldon. So I don't know how much more sp specific you can get than that, but- Aaron, can you get more specific than that? That sounds pretty specific to me, Dan. <laughs> uh, you know, but that's, I mean, but that's the thing, like they never expected anyone to, to challenge them on it. And you challenged well, them. And that's the thing, like, sometimes we just have to admit, like, we've made a mistake and look into it a little bit further. Um, and that's what I want to do. Like, if I'm elected, I want to be thorough with what I'm doing on city council. I think that's so important um, to make sure that we're going through everything. Like, for them to call a special meeting, and uh, they called a special meeting, again, at 10 a.m. in the morning, and to make that decision, and the meeting lasted less than 15 minutes. How did you thoroughly look into it to make that decision? And and didn't you say the city lost money? Yeah. So the the investment was right around ten million dollars. They sold it for three. What? 
Yeah, seven million dollar loss. Talk about fiscal conservatives. Even I ain't that stupid. Like it's not like a car where it loses its value. It's gonna gain value because more people are gonna use it. That's crazy. That's a that's a good reason to put you on the city council. Aaron, what's going on up there? What what's got you hot and bothered like Dylan's hot and bothered? Oh, let's see. Well, um, this past weekend, well, not weekend, this past Tuesday, our county commissioners uh, passed a two-to-one resolution in support of Senate Bill 11. If you're not familiar with Senate Bill 11, it is the Senate bill that wants to remove the obscenity exemption that protects teachers and librarians from um, going to jail. And um, they were in support of it. What? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that gets me is, you know, I've passed similar resolutions in the past. You know, we did one against HB 1134 last year. Uh, we did one asking the state house to suspend the gas tax. Uh, all these things were much further down the legislative process. Like that bill is not even in committee yet. It's right. just been introduced. So how are you going to pass a resolution when you have no idea how it's going to be paid for? Um, how it's going to impact taxpayers, the actual legalities of it, um, you know, and we had a packed room. There was over 50 people that spoke. The majority of people were against it. Um, but that's just kind of the state of the county politics uh, up here in Elkhart. But we're doing much better in Elkhart City, I got to tell you. Much better. Well, and you know what's crazy about the bill altogether is that, you know, how many more times do we have to hear Republicans talking about, oh, we're being censored on social media. Our accounts are being shut down. Oh, my God. The left, they, they're just the left wing, the, the conspiracy. But now you're going to go after librarians and teachers for books they didn't even write. Yep. And I there's mean, already a process in place. If a parent uh, doesn't like uh, a book that their child grabs, first, don't check it out for them. Um, second, you can go to the library board. You can talk to the executive there and bring up your issues. It's not like there isn't a system in place already for this. But I, the, the, but even still, Aaron, like one parent doesn't like it. The other parent does. Who wins? I, it, it kills me. These arguments are killing me um, when it's, oh, my God. My kid, my kid. Well, what about this kid over here? And it came down to, you know, the the anti CRT nonsense uh, mm -hmm. that's not being taught in schools, where you know a parent is upset and they were trying to pass the legislation that if if your kid comes home all jacked up from whatever lesson, you can sue for a thousand dollars. I I implored every marginalized family to do the same thing for the omission of their history. You know, that's what the, I mean. It, that's crazy. I, I I just don't understand why we don't want free think thinkers any, anymore. And what and 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 they literally want to say drag queen story hours obscene. I just I, what's going no, I on? Hear you. And you know the the last uh, city council was uh, seven two Republican, and one of the things they did towards the end was they shut down the uh, Tolson Community Center. Um, but one of the first things that we did, well, in a bipartisan way, credit where it's due, is we uh, we got some funds and we reopened it in the city of Elkhart. So the brand new and improved Tolson Center is going to open this fall in the city of Elkhart. Okay, I gotta and know why they, they why they close it down. Um, they were concerned um, about financial issues, but there was also some racist uh, statements made by the last first district city councilman. Um, 
And, you know, I, I have a feeling and many people do that that kind of played into it due to its location in the city and the, the folks who primarily used it, uh, black and brown folks in our community. Um, and they, they shut it down. Hmm. Well, all right for y'all standing up for black and black, black and brown communities. Indiana's own Dana Black turn left. Listen, we are talking to uh, Councilman Aaron Mishler out of Elkhart and candidate Dylan Little, who is running for uh, Lawrenceburg City Council. Guys, if you like what they're talking about, you know their act blue links are right here on this page. Every campaign requires a little bit of money. Every one of them does. So please, if you got five, ten dollars, small dollar donations always add up. So please, please, please click on their act blue links, donate to their campaigns. They need your help. And as always, Indiana's own during the primary stays neutral. I am not endorsing any candidate. I just want you to support all Democrats. Okay, uh, Aaron, we'll start with you. You know, every campaign has about three main issues that they want to tackle. Um, mm -hmm. Talk about the three. You, you know, you were very successful in your first campaign. You're obviously running for re-election. Um, after you, you know what you saw before, now that you've been in place, talk about what you want to work on this goal. Better yet, let me fix it. Talk about your greatest accomplishments. Oh. Um, in the first session, and then talk about what you want to work on moving forward. Oh man, there's there's too many. You know, I love to, to hear that. Still, we might have to done. wait a minute. <laughs> you know, let me see. Uh, Four hundred thousand dollars in small business grants uh, that helped over forty small businesses in our community. Five hundred thousand dollars in home repair grants for emergency repairs and facade and uh, improvements. Two point seven million dollars for affordable housing to help develop workforce housing. Over $9 million towards uh, infrastructure, broadband expansion, um, lead pipe replacement. Uh, let's see, rezones for hundreds of new housing units. And we had the lowest unemployment rate in the entire United States at 0.9%, thank you very much. What, we what? The best uh, housing market by the Wall Street Journal. But wow. it's not just about the numbers either, let's see. Uh, we have introduced uh, every police officer carries Narcan on him. Um, we've increased community policing, pay raises for our police officers, mental health for our officers themselves, and we've included social workers to help police officers for nonviolent calls. Love it. Uh, you can't forget fire. You can never forget fire. Never. Mm -mm. So new fire truck, new ambulances. Uh, you know? Man. Man, that's a lot. Who take yep. a breath, Dill? Take a breath. Take a breath. We might might take us a minute. I mean, that's a lot because what people yeah, don't yeah. understand. I mean, we got a new wastewater treatment plant coming. It's going to clean up our river even more. We got <sighs> money for mental health. We got money for job training that's coming in to help our partners at uh, Goodwill. And, you know, it's about arts and culture, too. You know, this year we had our first ever uh, Latino festival celebrating uh, the, you know, wonderful contributions of our Tino brothers and sisters in our community. And, you know, that's just getting started. That's just, we're just getting started. I love it. Uh, man, I, I'm going to have to go spend some more time up at Elkhart. I know your mayor is running for re-election too. Uh, so mm -hmm. I'm going to have to get up there and spend some more time. Okay, so talk about what, what you want to work on, the three pillars of this year's campaign for you. That's, you know, in the corner there, you see my little elk over there and he's got a little five stars on him. Yeah, yeah. Well, those five stars are the five points of the campaign. You got Let's economic development. We got to keep those jobs coming. We got to keep um, good paying jobs too. You know, we need to support our police and fire. That's the second star there. Um, then we got public, oh, what is it? Um, 
quality of place. So supporting our arts, our culture, the learner theater, uh, bringing more wonderful shows to see us there. And most importantly, well, not most importantly, because you can't say any one of those is the most important, but affordable housing. Mm -hmm. People need a place to live. I love it. And you know what? Affordable housing is the conversation that we're having all over the state. And what people don't understand is that the city council is resp responsible for the purse strings for the city. Um, how, uh, you know, is that going to be like a, I want to dig deep into that one real quick. Is that a, a, where you're working to do maybe a public private partnership? Because the city doesn't build houses. So you, you allot the money, but how, where does it go? No, that's a great question. You know, um, what we can do is we can help our, our partners in development um, with rezoning. If they're mm -hmm. looking to uh, rezone an area, we can help um, walk them through if they're trying to clean up an area that was potentially a brownfield uh, area in the past. And, you know, we also have the ability um, because of that 2.7 million we set aside, maybe they want to knock down uh, a building, but they don't have the funds for it. Well, we already put that 2.7 million there. You. Uh, put some affordable housing there, we'll, we'll do the demo for you. And that's some of the things we can do to help. Okay. You know, okay. many of these, um, these companies use, um, lie tech credits and other things down at the state that I won't get too into, but they base it off your, uh, your AMI, the AMI, the, the area, the average median income, 60% to 80%, something in there, uh, to help, um, people move in to uh, these affordable housing and we can assist with that. You know, and uh, another thing that I'd love to see is uh, the discussion about uh, residential tax abatements. We don't have them yet, but we, uh, we have them for industry throughout our community. And if it could help, um, you know, get some more housing for our folks, I'm definitely willing to uh, learn more and look into it. I love it. Uh, th those are those are great points. I love every one of those. Um, quality of place is another one that I like. Um, I when I was talking to um, Amanda Rubeck, who was running in, in Zionsville last week, she talked about um, des a destination place, and so she you know was talking about how she wanted Zionsville to have destination places where you go and hang out and just sit and have coffee or whatever it is that you feel like doing. And it sounds like you're talking about the same thing: quality of place where people, when they come, it's a destination they can kick it, um, and and mm -hmm. and improving the quality of life so people don't leave because people oh, yeah. leave. De definitely, and you know. You know, we put some more funds into the Learner Theater. Um, you know, we've expanded our capacity there so we could have some standing room only shows. Um, we have not only that, but we have our aquatic center, which is a, a regional draw for, you know, swimming contests and competitions. And, you know, we got to we got to stay up with the times. You know, recently we just approved uh, two new electric uh, charging stations downtown, um, you know, with some uh, grants from uh, is it VW, I believe, um, as well as donations to the environmental center. So it cost the taxpayers very little, only the amount to install them. So now we can be a draw to folks. You can come in, see a show at the Learner, stay at the Hotel Elkhart, see your kids swim at the Aquatic Center and charge your electric car at, all at the same time. You better work. <laughs> I love all of that. Dylan? Talk about your, your campaign plan and why you want to run uh, and be in the city council down there in Lawrenceburg. What are the areas that you want to focus in on? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, it is so much about community. Um, last year, what my fiance and I kind of did 
Um, we put together a book bag drive and we gave over 178 free book bags to children in need wow. in our community. Um, that was funded by us entirely. We wanted to make sure that kids had what they need to go back to school because um, at one point when I lived with my mom, I was that kid. Mm -hmm. I didn't have I didn't have my school supplies. Um, but the reason why I decided to run is there's just been so much that as a community we've missed out on. Um, we ha we had a hospital within our community. Um, they're now talking about moving. They're going to move to another community. Um, on top okay. of that, we missed out on the much taunted cancer center that was going to be placed here. We donated a bunch of money. Um, that's also going to another community. Um, and you guys might even be a little bit familiar with this, but Indiana has ports around the state. Um, and Lawrenceburg was supposed to be the fourth port location. Um, and we ended up missing out on that as well. Folks are missing out on good paying jobs because jobs are going to other communities and our location should allow us for opportunities of growth across the board. Um, we have so much going for us. We are a great small community. We invest in a lot of quality of life projects. Um, for instance, we have a civic park in downtown Lawrenceburg. We do music on the river every Thursday. We have the destination places. People come out. We have crowds of over 3,000 people there. Wow. I didn't know there was 3,000 people in your town, bro. I'm not playing. <laughs> there, there's 5,000. I got this down to a study. Um, but the other thing is, is I mean, we're, we're a gaming community. We're also the Cincinnati suburbs. Um, but with us being the gaming community, we, we have funds. Obviously, they're diminishing. Um, we have some competition coming in with um, other casinos, things like that. But one thing, and this irked me as well, um, is child care, affordable child care. Mm -hmm. um, the city of Lawrenceburg had options available to people where affordable child care was an option. We have a local community center that was built, I believe in 2000, don't quote me exactly, 2005 to 2008, somewhere in that time period. Um, and one of the things that they had was they had an after-school program for children and grades kindergarten through fifth grade for $50 for the whole school year. What? The whole school, you wanna know what they've done? So this administration got in there, the community center used to be a 501c nonprofit. It's no longer a 501c nonprofit. The city has taken it over. They have made it a for-profit community center. So now- well, That don't even make sense. That don't even make sense. A, a for-profit community center? That doesn't even make sense. That's an oxymoron. Well, you know, um, you know, anyways, um, so it used to be $50 for the whole school year. Now it is $50 per week. So you're looking at an increase of over $2,000 a year for families, um, making it a little bit more difficult, obviously, for single parents, um, making it harder for families that are united still for to have a two family income when they need when parents are trying to go back to work. Um, all of those different things. I, I, I would like to get on council and I'd like to definitely work on those. I, that is very important to me. Um, the director of the community center is doing an amazing job. He is a great person. Um, and that was a decision that was unfortunately, I believe made by the city. Um, and, and then on top of that, I mean, again, affordable housing, it sounds like we're talking about that in every area of the state. Um, we also, we suffer with housing issues that we just, we just invested 
15 million dollars of city funds into um, private equity high luxury apartments um, and the people that came in to build it don't even live in our community someone company from that? north carolina here and they built it um the company that runs it and manages it they're out of indianapolis but the company that built the actual the actual uh building and the high-end apartments they weren't from here they were people that came here stayed at a hotel and then went back and took the money back with them to north carolina okay, um, I'm for local small dollars here all of those different things and we definitely need to make sure that we're addressing the housing issue in Lawrenceburg because there's wait lists for senior housings that are going on um all kinds of different things and we need to make sure that we're making those investments so that our seniors middle income and everyone has an equal opportunity you know and let's let's go back to the housing i find it interesting you talked about um all of the um employment opportunities that have been missed in your community and yet they want to build these super expensive out of the reach of regular people um housing how how do how do they make that make sense um they say that it's an investment that, that will pay for itself they actually say it's paying dividends um i'm assuming what they mean by that is our fiber company because the city has its own uh, not its fiber our uh utilities um that our city has our own utilities so i'm assuming that they may mean off of that and then maybe property taxes as well um obviously that's an that's a return that would come in many 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 years um but it's beyond me i don't know what, so what are those folks who are on those wait lists supposed to do when they can't actually afford the high-end luxury homes what are they supposed to do i couldn't tell them i mean we we have some we have some um affordable housing in our area but the thing is is it is so limited and when they're already full um what do we do i mean we obviously I know that there's a need for more, and that's something that I want to address. I love it. Uh, but I mean, what is our administration going to tell them? The current administration? I couldn't tell you. I love it. I, I love that you. First of all, both of you. Um, there's a couple of things that I wrote down as you guys were were talking about your issues that I wanted to highlight. One is knowledge, or two, knowledge and study. You know, a lot of people start to run for office, but they don't even know what the office does or the issues that are impacting or what issues you would be able to impact in that role. It is very clear to me um, as obviously as an incumbent, um, Aaron, you know exactly what's going on. And Dylan, for someone who wants to seek that office, you have done your homework. You know exactly how you can impact what issues from that role. If your ca candidates, voters, I'm just gonna throw this out there. If your candidate, can't break things down like he just did, they're not your candidate, okay? And the other thing I wrote down was service. Um, you two embody service. Um, Aaron, you're putting your, your whole life on the line to go serve people. And Dylan, you're, you're doing everything you can so that people have what you didn't have, right? Service to the community. And I believe as elected officials, that's your job. 
you're supposed to serve. So I wanted to highlight those things from, you know, as you guys were talking about the issues that you want to focus in on. So can I ask a question? Um, how How is the, rem the rest of the infrastructure in y'all's communities? Infrastructure, well, you know, we're, we're doing some good things here in Elkhart as far as the county. It has its ups and downs, uh, you know, but we're doing what we can to work with them to, uh, we got some overpasses coming in to try to help our uh, traffic situation uh, near the Concord Mall. They're doing an overpass. We're doing an overpass there as well. So hopefully, you know, that helps. And as long as we can keep kids safe, uh, getting to school back and forth and uh, make the community a little safer, a little more efficient, I'm, I'm all in favor for it there. And we are um, continuing to do our best to expand broadband and make a, our, uh, our river as clean as we can here. So. Ooh, I love that because it seems like people don't want to protect the water anymore. <laughs> Dylan, what's going on? How's the rest of your infrastructure down there? Our infrastructure, I will, I will be honest, we have a very top tier infrastructure set up here. Um, we were very fortunate. Again, we're a gaming community, so we have a deal with the local casino. Um, right now we get probably, it's fluctuated. Um, back in 2004 and those years, we used to get close to 40 plus million dollars a year from them. Now it's dropped down to about $11 million a year of uh, riverboat revenue that we're getting. Um, but we had some good elected Democrats in the past that really invested in local infrastructure, whether it was the roads, uh, making sure that our utilities were very, very good. Um, I, like in this past snowstorm, there was, I believe, one power outage. Um, we are very well, very well maintained. You're better um, than Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our elected officials aren't going to Cancun either. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> um, but with that being said, I mean, we have some infrastructure issues, a lot of it, things that um, we've done studies on. So for instance, um, we have a Highway 50 corridor that goes through our city. It separates us, the downtown area, and the local community schools. Um, and Highway 50 traffic is always, always, always overly packed. Mm. And in the past, what the city has done is there was a study that had been completed um, to kind of help alleviate some of that traffic. Um, and again, if we would have had the port come in, it would have been the perfect opportunity to expand that infrastructure and to help alleviate some of that traffic off of Highway 50. Um, so we definitely have our infrastructure issues. Highway 50 is a big one, um, but that's also that's an issue that we have to work with the state on as well um, to make sure that they're on board with it, because obviously that's a state ran highway. Okay. Okay. And the reason why I asked that question is because um, city councilors always are talking, are hearing about potholes and streetlights and sidewalks. And, and if your constituents are listening to you right now, they can go, oh, my guys know what's happening in my community when it comes to my infrastructure, because even though they don't, we don't necessarily call it that, right? They call it, you know, sidewalks, trash pickup, stuff like that, but that's all a part of the infrastructure. There was another thing I wanted to talk about. Um, Whew, there seems to be this move towards um, uneducating our kids. 
<laughs> we don't want to we don't want them to have a full and thorough and i know i kind of touched on a little bit in our rant uh, in, in, my, in my rant and what uh governor DeSantis is doing and the idea that he says that you know ap african-american studies is you know uh doesn't have any value um i i know that in elkhart it is a very diverse community lawrenceburg y'all are getting there because of your proximity to cincinnati so i know that there is some diversity there can y'all talk about um, how you guys are approaching and how the uh, the local administration and how your local school boards are approaching the education curriculum to make sure that we are educating well-rounded students and not just students who can regurgitate information? I didn't mean to stump y'all on that one, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can start off. I can tell you I have full faith in local school board. We have some really good elected officials there. Um, and the teachers, I obviously, I just graduated three years ago, so relatively uh, recent, recent out of school. Um, and when I was in school, the curriculum that they were teaching was very straightforward. It was challenging. It was enough to make us think um, and all of those different things. But I, I, I think that at the end of the day, Oftentimes, teachers need to be able to make the decisions of what they want to teach the students. Um, the teachers that I had, again, they were amazing um, and they did a great job. But I also, it, again, it's hard. I mean, just like you said, you might have one parent that wants kids to learn something and the other parent doesn't. Um, and I just, that's a hard conversation. I mean. Mm -hmm. It is hard. That's why we have to have it. Oh, definitely. You know, I can still remember some of my favorite teachers, you know, uh, Herr Graves, Herr Collins, uh, Mr. Garvin, a whole bunch of high school teachers that I had, as well as, you know, throwing some uh, drill sergeants from the army is there because, you know, you learn some stuff there, too. Yeah, yeah. But the, the reality of the situation is, is it's tough for teachers. Mm -hmm. You know, Indiana ranks towards the end when it comes to the uh, pay scale for education. You know, we'd have some wonderful local education foundations, the Elkhart Education Foundation being one of them, that um, does their best to support teachers. And, you know, last year during the HB 1134 fiasco, when they tried to push for that terrible bill, what I always said was, let teachers teach. Mm -hmm. They got master's degrees, they got doctorates. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some issues that, of course, we can work together through, but they know what they're doing. Yeah, let they do. Teachers teach. Yeah, they do. And 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 as a council person, um, how can you help support um, your local school boards, school administration in your roles? Yeah, that's a great question. Since we don't have any direct legislative say over what the schools do. Uh, but what we can do is we can continue to bring in uh, money to our community through economic advancement by inviting uh, companies and businesses to come here and you know schools get a chunk of that the um for example the 500,000 in home repair grants that'll raise property values which means more money for schools in our community as well i love it aaron let me ask you this how many tiff districts does elkhart have because tiff districts is something that we that we actually it was a rough job as well um, and something that I was against, I met with the local school superintendent and him and I discussed some things. Um, and the argument from the other side is, is that schools net zero, but what happens is they lose that money from, so like the income 
it stays at the property value that it was appraised at at that point. And then any new development, all of those funds go back to the city. Um, and Lawrenceburg is becoming a huge TIF area. Um, that and that kind of worries me. So I was curious, what what percentage of Elkhart would you do you think is uh, TIFed? And for people that's curious, TIF is tax increment financing areas. That is correct. Um, I believe we have five to seven-ish TIFs, and we actually, believe it or not, now that you mentioned it, we have another one that we will be discussing um, this coming Monday to, to create another TIF. Um, TIFs are good for supporting development of infrastructure in an area, such as uh, sidewalks, roads, uh, sewage, things like that, to bring in uh, some of that uh, tax money. And, you know, I, I definitely hear where you're coming from. Uh, when it comes to taking the money away from schools directly. Uh, but in the long run, in my opinion, for those areas, the amount of income that we could generate for schools in the future outweighs that short-term disadvantage for them. See, and here's my issue with it when it came to our board is the properties had already been developed, but the state takes a snapshot of the beginning of the year um and the properties were all privately developed to begin with so the city had no cost in putting in infrastructure it was hardy's and a couple of other companies um but the city was looking to re recapture some of those dollars to redo our new project which is the riverfront project that's interesting um since it sounds like they were already you know completed areas uh generally you know, we do have like a downtown TIF and things like that as well. But uh, I know for the TIF that we're talking about this coming Monday, it's in a, a recently annexed area that we're looking to, I don't actually know um, what they want to develop down there, but uh, if they're asking for a TIF, um, I expect that it'll be something that'll bring in a fair amount of funds uh, for the city in that area. And, and a lot of our TIFs are more in, industrial parts of the city. Elkhart is a very large manufacturing hub. Uh, we're the RV capital of the world. Um, not to brag or anything. <laughs> um, and they, they're they also temporary. They sunset. Uh, they're a good long-term strategy, but you're, but you're absolutely right. In the short term, there are disadvantages to them. Y'all, we just had a, a TIFF one-on-one. So that's why you tune in to Turn Left because you're going to learn something. I Talk love it. Tips. I love it. Talking about TIFFs because TIFFs are a hot topic all over the state. They, I hear about them all the time. So thank y'all for the education. I didn't always understand, you know, the importance, the, the the ups and downs. And you guys were just able to explain the TIFF process. Indiana's on Dana Black, Turn Left. Y'all. It's, it's almost time to say goodbye. But before we do that, I want to make sure people can find you. So, Aaron, tell the people where they can find you. Not a problem. First, I'm only uh, strong as my team, so I have to uh, tell folks to support uh, Rod Robertson for mayor, hey. Dawson for council at large, uh, Dwight Fish, Brent Curry, and all the great candidates that we have here in the city of Elkhart. Uh, but you can find me at www.voteaaronmishler.com. You can find a nice Act Blue donation link there because I would love to have your support Donate. to help fight the good fight here in the city of Elkhart. Um, as well as if you want to see me uh, play video games and talk more about tips, you can go to twitch.tv.com slash rebelliousplatypus or do what Dana does and follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash rebelplatty. 
I love it. And do you, I know that you're going away for uh, a few weeks. So do you have any events coming up, any fundraising events, any volunteer opportunities, or we just wait until you get back? And I, it would make sense. Uh, right now, uh, just wait until I get back. I love it. But I, we will have whole calendar lined up. All right. Thank you for, for your service and thank you for helping people around the world. And more importantly, thank you for serving your community. Dylan, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me at www.dylanlittle.com. Um, and just like Aaron, you'll be able to find an Act Blue link there to donate. I would be more than appreciative if you will. Races take, these races take money, um, and especially when you're not an incumbent. Um, I have a lot of challenges ahead of me, but I'm super excited to take them on. Um, you'll also learn more about my platform there. Um, you can learn exactly what I stand for. The other thing is, is if you want to follow me and see what I'm talking about in the local issues in Lawrenceburg, you can follow my Facebook page, or you can also add me on Facebook on my personal account. Um, and you can always give me a call at any time. My number and everything is on all of my social media. Um, always happy to hear about your concerns so that we can work through a way to address them. And do you have any events coming up? I do. I have my campaign kickoff and fundraising event whoop, whoop. next January 26th, we're going to have a former, former superintendent of public instruction, Jennifer McCormick, speaking. Um, and she's also endorsed the campaign. So whoop, whoop. Um, I'm super excited for that as well. And if you're if you'd like to attend, feel free to. It's a completely free event. Um, if you'd like to contribute when you get there, obviously, that's appreciated as well. But I most importantly, again, my number one priority is building community. Um, I, I, I want you guys to get to know me on a personal level. Um, so that we can talk about issues and we can talk about what our concerns are through the community. Um, because the only way that we become the best version of Lawrenceburg is if we do it together. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You guys were, you know, I got some mental stimulation talking to you guys. I learned some things. You guys are amazing candidates. And, Dill, I didn't even bring up the fact that you run the county party down there. I didn't even talk about that. I didn't even, I see, I, I was going to let it go. I was going to let it go. I'm also the secretary for the whole 9th Congressional District. Oh, my gosh. And you you said you wanted to get a young Dems down there, y'all. Y'all listen to this man. He wants a young Dems down there. He's running for office. He manages the county party, and he's the secretary of the district party. Listen, I'm telling y'all, Nick Roberts and Dylan Little, now, there's some ladies out here. Don't go. Don't worry. Don't trip. Don't trip. And there's some people of color. Don't trip. I don't. I need y'all to understand. But when it, when I think about these young men and what they're doing and how they're doing and how they're growing and what Indiana will vote for, I need y'all to be real about that. I am excited about what these young folks are doing, y'all. I have an, a special treat for y'all next week. I'm not playing. I don't even know if I want to say it yet because it's. I'm just super excited. So. I'm changing the format a little bit this year. So for all of my council folks who are running for office, I am going to double them up. I'm going to have two, maybe three council folk on at a time because there's a lot more of them. However, for all my candidates that I get to bring on who are running for mayor, I am bringing them on by themselves. I'm bringing them on by themselves because that's a it's a lofty job. That's an executive level job. And when you're making the choice of who is going to run your entire city, who's the executive of your city, you want to know as much as you can. And I will also be able to open up the chat 
if you if you're on the chat on Facebook, I'll be able to take your questions, right? I've got the t I've got things set up over here. I'm telling you, I'm doing a whole lot better. So I don't want you to think I'm shortchanging my council folk, and I don't want you to feel like I'm not trying to get to everybody. But I just there's a, it's and it's my show. I kind of get to do what I want to do. That's ownership, you know what I'm saying? That black girl magic. So I don't want to hear no complaints about it. But anyway, I just, sometimes you gotta throw that out there. But anyway, so my mayor candidates, I am going to have them on by themselves. We know that we have a hot race right here in Indianapolis. We have a hot race down there, primary races I'm talking about. Hot primary race in Indianapolis. I'm working to get as many of those candidates on. I've reached out to all of them so far. I've reached out to all the candidates in Bloomington. Yes, I have. And I've reached out to all the candidates in Gary. Those are the three hot ones that I'm seeing right now where there's a, a Democratic incumbent in place with the exception of Hamilton or Mayor Hamilton. He is stepping down. So that is an open seat. But we have Democrats who want that those roles. And so I want you guys, I want you guys to hear from them and let them tell you their story, hear their plan. They deserve to have that platform to share with you what, how they plan to lead your city and folks around the state. If, if you want to, if you want to see these communities be on the rise with the right type of mayor candidates, then, then donate to them. You can donate to yours, but then donate to these candidates and see how you can help out. I'm excited about a couple of candidates that are running in and Carmel too. <laughs> All right, Indiana's own Dana Black. Thank you so much for tuning in, fellas. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. It was an amazing conversation. Good luck to you, Aaron. Good luck to you over in Ukraine. Dill, keep doing the good fight and keep working and raising them young boys. I'm Indiana's own Dana Black. This is Turn Left, where we talk about Indiana politics from the left side of things, and I will holler at y'all next week. Peace. Turn Left is the property of Black Girl IT Solutions. Executive producer, Indiana's own Dana Black. Music by www.binsound.com.